This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hello and welcome to the Publicly Challenged Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Oswald, and I hope you join me on my quest for knowledge to become a better public land hunter, angler, and forager. Stick with this and who knows, maybe we will learn something together. So I'm sitting here and I'm talking to Jake Belinda and uh, we're going to talk whatever we feel like. <laughs> So, yeah. uh, Jake, can you go ahead and kind of give an introduction of who you are and what you do? Um, yeah, so I just became full-time, um, basically cre- media production, um, videography, photography in the outdoor industry. Um, this, that's what I've been focusing on. Um, it's been a long journey to get here, uh, a couple of years of grinding um until i could finally kind of take it half time to full time and um this is going to be my first full year um from working for myself so to speak but um i was uh my background as i was a professional athlete after college i played college baseball and then got drafted um in 2017 to the atlanta braves played there for a brief moment um until i got released um injuries uh, there's just a whole number of things um at the professional level on how to get you know that's a whole nother story in ball game um but then after i was done playing professionally i uh wanted to basically find another you know that was the life goal was to play professional baseball so once that came crashing down i it kind of left me back at square one um i went to college to play baseball i didn't go to college for a degree it was always like the number one goal and I made it happen and but for only for a short period of time. So then I was like, okay, I want to do something in the outdoors. That brought me to how can I obtain um 
basically hunting for a living and I had to cut, be creative and um, bounce all over the place with ideas until I finally got into the media side of things um, and just being self-taught my whole life. And that's kind of where it brought me today. So that's pretty cool that you uh, taught yourself and now you're actually doing it. Um, so 2017 Atlanta, I went to school with a girl or her brother was a little bit younger than me. And uh, he played, I don't I thought he played for Atlanta, but Tanner Rourke, I think he played for Atlanta. I don't know. Maybe there's, there's, a, there's a, not a lot of guys, but it's hard to keep up with all the names. Yeah. Um, and it's, everybody's bouncing through the system so quick. I think, uh, when was it when the Cubs were in the world series, he played against them or something like that. He was pitching. So okay. pretty cool for him. Um, but, uh, so anyway, Never mind. If you don't know him, you don't know him, whatever. But, uh, all good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he played in major leagues and, uh, then, uh, it's kind of cool though. You know, you, you taught yourself film and everything. I mean, just YouTube and like you said, an internship or how, yeah. How that... Yeah. I mean, I, so I, I basically came home and was like, okay, how, how can I, how can I make this happen? So I got, I mean, I got, I worked construction, um, you know, just being a grunt, you know, where the, I just followed the money, um, for the short, short amount of time, just to bankroll some money and, and stuff. But the goal was every fall, uh, to film as much as I could. So I bought a camera, um, in the summer started monkeying with it, getting better with it. I was always, I always had a knack for photography, um, just cell phones. And then my dad had an old camera. It's just, and I, I used to kind of vlog stuff when I was young. So it just kind of was something I always did, but just not serious. Um, so then I took an internship with the untamed, um, back in 2020, I was already self-taught for about a year at that point, but I didn't have any professional outdoor related experience. So meaning like how the ins and outs of the industry work, you know, what, how, what you need to obtain to, on the business side of things, the daily grind, the ins and outs. So I took that and out of a whim, um, it worked out. Josh, I mean, he's one of the great, greatest guys I've ever had the pleasure to hunt with. He's hilarious. And uh, they have a su super successful channel. So it was, a, it was a good fit for me being, you know, an East coast guy, not having to travel extensive amount of distance. I went five hours, lived down there for a fall. And that was kind of my foot in the door. And then from there, I just kept progressing. Um, that led me to connections, led me to other things. And then it's just never ending networking, teaching yourself, YouTube videos, upgrading equipment, um, and just grinding it. Um, but you know, everybody's paths a little different. I worked really hard like 75 percent of the year and then i just had the opportunity i took the money that i made and didn't have a lot of bills so then i just traveled and hunted for the fall nice oh you know just went cheap as possible slept in my truck um you know doing the, the hardcore out-of-state hunts driving all through the night sleep in your vehicle to save money get a hundred dollars in groceries eat peanut butter and jelly for three, four days straight, just to just hunt as much as humanly possible. Um, that's and that's great. kind of what, that's what, I did, what I did for 
like two years. And then I finally got some, um, some money, you know, and it started getting connections and then uh, picked up a sponsor. Cause I, you know, when you do it a lot and you have a plethora of content and it, it I got better at my craft over the, the period of time. And it's been like three and a half years now. And then finally this year, taking it full time. Um, so it's been a grind. A lot of people don't see the behind the, the scenes stuff yeah, that goes on, but you know, doing bridge work, holding, I, I, I used to chip bridges out with a, chip, a 60 pound chip and hammer overhead stuff in the cities. I'd drive three hours to work. Yep. Uh, Cause that, I mean, that's where the, the best rate money was um, that I could find. And I just do the hardest possible job that nobody wanted to do for the most money for the summer and then just leave. I just, (laughs) the fall would come and I would just be like, Hey boss, I'm out of here. Like great working for you. I showed up every day. I just never quit. It was just one of those. And I think I got that from sports. Um, It was that never quit, you know, showed up every day on time was present, did my job. But when it came time to like, I had a goal and an ambition and a dream in mind. I was like, I, I, I know how to get there. And I just let, went for it. No, that's awesome, man. Good for you. Um, so what, what I got to ask, what was the first camera then? What would you use? Um, I bought an A6500. Okay. That was the very first camera I bought. Um, and then from there, I upgraded to an A7 III. And then I have since upgraded um, yet again. I ha- actually had two A7Threes. I would ran, run two bodies, a plethora of lenses. Um, was one like a video body and the other one was a photography body or what'd you do? Yeah. So one was more for, um, it was my zoom, zoom lenses. It was set up. I I would keep the lens on a tripod, um, just so I could attach the body quickly and have a quick zoom attachment. And then the other one was more for the secondary angles, um, instead of the GoPro. Nice. Nice. I also have GoPros and I mean, there's plenty of ways to do it, but how I liked it was, you know, one body specifically for long one for short. Yeah. No, I hear you. That's, that's pretty cool. Um, so what was the, the untamed? I'm not, I don't know if I'm familiar with that or not, actually. I feel like um, an idiot, but, uh, there's a lot of things people tell me and I'm like, no, I, I, I honestly don't know what that is. I don't watch a lot of TV. So is it like a, on a network or they're, they're a YouTube channel. Um, they're, so they're known for running hounds um, for bears in West Virginia. That's kind of their, that was their bread and butter for a while. Um, they've been getting bigger and bigger for the whitetail things because Josh has always been a ground hunter, um, killing big bucks in West Virginia on the ground with his bow. Um, but that, you know, that's kind of their known thing. Um, they've, Hunted with the hunting public uh, a few times, born and raised. Um, they got a pretty successful channel, um, and I, they got a lot of. They got a big. They came into it perfect timing. Did great. Have a bunch of killer videos. Kill turkeys, you know, deer, a lot of bears, um, and just they're continuing to build, and they're just. Uh, a great cu- group of guys. No, that's cool. So then uh, what's your project you're working on yourself then? Um, so I, I went branched out on my own, like I said, about a year and a half ago. And 
this year I created, it's called the void. Um, so I have the void media, which is my business. And then the void hunt, which is basically my hunting, um, all my endeavor adventures. So then, um, all that's going to be on YouTube. And then, I mean, that's going to be the, the basis and the start. A lot of the stuff that you, that if you go through my socials, a lot of the hunts are going to be out there the past two or three years, I have them on footage. Um, so those I'm going to be dropping those, um, throughout this summer and be caught up by the fall. And then the fall is going to be all new content. Nice. So, um, where's the name the void come from um so the void is basically for me it was i was filling the void of not having baseball in my life anymore with the outdoors so whenever baseball was was literally it that's all i i eat sleep and breathe baseball and when that was done um i was kind of empty so to speak feeling and the outdoors was the only thing that gave me like that, that rush and that just central focused mindset. So I was filling the void of like everyday life with the outdoors. And, um, I just basically shortened it to the void because every person, and it's really connectable to, um, your reason why you're going in, you're, you're either hunting, fishing, hiking, going out in the outdoors. Um, you're either getting away from the fast paced life. There's always a re a back reason on what you're doing. So you're filling that void of, um, of the outdoors with something else that's been going on in your life. No, that's, I think that's great. I mean, so many people have that void and, and once they end up going in nature, they realize that that was the void is that disconnect from the natural world, you know, and escaping from the, the man-made, the created world, the so-called matrix that we all live in, you know? Yes. So, no, that I think that's great. Um, so what kind of content are people going to be looking at then? Um, so the first couple of things probably rolling out are going to be like an antelope hunt that I did um, two years ago. Um, probably a whitetail hunt that I killed a nice buck here in Pennsylvania. Um, another Pennsylvania hunt um, that I got really close on a couple big deer. Um, just some mountain buck content stuff. So some big woods, public ground, um, grinding. Um, that's, that's, that's all I've kind of been doing my whole life is just bouncing all over public across the nation. I've never, I've on a one hand, I could count when I've hunted private my whole life. Um, growing up, I have uncles that own property 30 minutes from me and I still go to public. They, people, like the people that are locally that know me think I'm crazy because my uncle owns 2000 acres of some of the best hunting ground that they think in the country. Um, but I hunt public above my house. You know, uh, I gotta say I do similar. It's just one of those things that, uh, that whole public dynamic is fun trying to figure out the other people, figure out the animals, pattern it, never knowing what you might run into having that like mysterious mystique to it, I think yeah. is what, uh, what really draws me into. So I understand a lot of people might think you're crazy, but, uh, I don't, I don't like going to preset stands. I don't like going to stuff to where, 
you know, everybody's been hunting the same ground for years and years and years, and you're waiting for it to, you know, step into a food plot and then take this, you know, target buck. If that's your thing, I don't judge it because I still think it's cool and those monsters on the wall are are amazing, and I'll probably never have those in my lifetime, (laughs) you know. But uh, I definitely think uh, there's something to me that's more appealing of just never quite knowing and having that mystery to it. Yeah, and and then... You know, the dine that they're two completely different dynamics. You know, the it takes a lot of hard work to grow big deer on private and to pattern them. I, I mean, I, I don't knock any guys, but yeah. then you know, we the public ground guys don't necessarily have that opportunity. So they gotta go in not knowing who was there just the day before, maybe, or you know, what was going on. So it, there's a whole nother challenge to it. Um, that's the pressure side of things. So that's kind of what I've gotten good at over the years is learning to hunt people pressure, um, and getting away from pressure to finding deer, not in where the deer should be. Cause there's a lot of ground. I'm sure it's the same. I I mean, I've seen it across the nation it's like, this is great habitat. There should be deer here, like a, a big buck. There might be, but it might be nocturnal because there's too much human pressure and human, um, interference with with that habitat and things will not live there they will they will come to you know i call it like vacation um for a a small period of time and then they they go back to their their hiding yeah Um, so um i don't know if do you guys have like any kind of windshield permits or anything like that that you guys have to do for hunting on public or anything no that is something that i uh, you know it's I brought it up to a couple um, people's attention that I, I think moving forward, I, I, I think it would be a good public land use fee just as a, as a base permit. That's something that I, I believe in. And it's because a lot of, so we have in Pennsylvania, we have game lands, which is managed for hunting specific. We have state forest land. We also have national forest and we have other state land properties. But game land specifically is managed for game and songbirds and wildlife. Um, but you, it's open to public, and we have a, there's a lot of people that use it to walk their dogs, and, <laughs> and and do that. But it's you know my thing is I can't go hunt a dog park, right? You, you know that's the, uh, but our hundred dollars are paying for the the upkeep of that specific ground. So if we just had a blanket statement of a public use fee, like you do out in some of the Western states, a $5 fee just to, to be able to use public access. Yeah. Uh, I think it would be beneficiary to the entire state as a whole, because it, then it's, it covers everybody. Right. So we have windshield permits. Um, in Illinois, they don't actually cost anything, but you have to have them in order to use the public land for hunting. And, uh, so I'm an idiot. I'm just going to come out and say that, uh, I printed out more properties than I was actually going to use this year. And when I printed them out at the end of the year, you have until February, and then you have to report and close out those permits. And if you don't close those permits out, 
you lose access to those lands the following year for hunting. Oh, wow. And like an idiot, I totally slipped my mind. I forgot. I was working, working a bunch of overtime. And then next thing I know, I look and I'm two days too late. And I tried logging on and I was locked out. So I couldn't even get on there to do it. So now if I do hunt Illinois, which I plan on doing, right, I can only either hunt private or I'm going to have to pick completely new different areas to hunt, which isn't a bad thing. This is going to force my hand to go to places that I've never, ever, ever hunted before. I but, gotcha. but what sucks is some of the places that I printed out that I'd never hunted are places I've always wanted to hunt and never did. And now I can't hunt those either. <laughs> so. oh, wow. Yeah, I, I can see the, the, <laughs> the edge sword there. I mean, it's, I, you know, Illinois was the state that I, when I, when I did hunt Illinois, um, me and a roommate from college got, it wasn't even really a lease. It was just his family's friend has a farm out there and we just hunted it like for five days we drove out slept in the vehicle and hunted for five days in november i ended up killing a pretty nice buck but um since i i don't hunt there anymore he continues to go out every year but it just wasn't it it didn't satisfy me it wasn't big enough it wasn't oh you gotta come so the one thing i can do though is i could still hunt federal ground so now I can go down to like Shawnee National Forest and hunt that. So okay. now I'm, I always sleep in the back of my truck anyway. I'm one of those public land dirt bags. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like same thing. Yeah. I camp, I camp in the back of my vehicle all the time. In fact, we were just down in Texas hog hunting and there was a lodge and I was like, nah, I'm good. I'll just, I'll just crawl in the back of my truck. <laughs> and yeah. I slept in the back of my truck every night, but I'm set up. You know what I mean? You're set up for it. It's like you're. Yeah your little uh, public land it, home, you know? <laughs> well, it's, it. I've had some of the best nights sleep in my life in the back of my truck. Yeah. It's normally it, it, it's the first night is the rough one. And then after that, it's like smooth sailing, you know? It, yeah. It's, I don't know what it is, but I, I, so I have a, ta- uh, uh, 2,500 Duramax, um, and I put a, a pap cap on it Yep, and threw down an old, um, memory foam roll up, Oh, nice. So you got a full-size bed, huh? Yeah, I got a full-size bed. Um, On the right-hand side, I put a a barrier wall, um, basically just some two-by-fours, and then put it across about the top of uh, your wheel well. And that's kind of like my shelving. And then I I stuff everything basically on that side, and I sleep on the other side with my sleeping bag and roll-up phone. I mean, it's so comfortable. I lined it. When it gets really cold... um, I line it with um, just a, a tarp, the bed of my truck, because I have it rhino lined, and then I just put a tarp up, and I carry my generator with in the back of my truck, <laughs> and I have a, a little space heater. Yeah, and I just run the cord outside and run the generator at night when I'm sleeping, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm toasty. <laughs> so I don't you do know? that. I'll just bring a different bag. Like I I sleep super hot all the time, so it's like. I never know, you know, unless I know it's going to be like super, super frigid, I'll get away with it, you know, a 20 degree or 30 degree bag down into, you know, actual temps that are those temps. But if it gets colder than that, I've got some other bags that are heavy duty, but that must be nice to actually be able to stretch out like that because my truck has got the five foot six bed. It's the Uh, shorty bed, 
And so, because I got the crew cab and I don't have the three-quarter ton, so they wouldn't let me get it. And so I have to sleep at an angle. And then as I'm sleeping at that angle, I'm fine and I'm fully stretched out. But otherwise, it gets uh, a little cramped in there. But I've got a a set of drawers and everything. So I'm elevated. It's got carpet on it, carpet on the inside of the topper. And then uh, I put that, uh, it's like that, it's almost like bubble wrap, you know, but it's like Mm -hmm. the mylar on both sides of it. So it's like shiny and reflective. And I put that in there all the way. And dude, that insulates it. Just yeah, covering like those windows, yeah. Insulation, yeah. I, I've seen my setup isn't like great. Um, <laughs> yours sounds way more sophisticated than mine, but the you know my I with my full size bed, I just it's makeshift because then I all I have to do when I need to actually use my truck is I just oh. take it. My wife complains about that all the time. She's like, you know, do you think you could have a truck that we could actually use as a truck and set it? I was like, we got trailers. We'll just pull trailers. It's fine. (laughs) But my my truck's big enough that my cousin and I, we went up to New York this year and we both slept in the bed of the truck for two nights and we killed a deer and um, threw it on the back of the truck and went home and, you know, skinned it up there at my buddy's place in New York at his little camp and but it was big enough that both of us slept next to each other completely fine in the bed of the truck. Nice. Nice. Yeah. It'd be nice to sprawl out like that a little more. Well, and that night it was, uh, it got down to four degrees. So we were were pretty close. (laughs) No, but uh, we were pretty pretty warm to be honest with you. Like he was kind of like, you know, he's a military guy. So he's like, I don't know about this, but I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) And then we woke up. He's like, surprisingly, I'm pretty warm. Like, he's like, I stayed pretty comfy all night. Yeah. One um, of the other mods I did to mine was I got them puck lights that, like, they're almost like the tap it lights that you tap. I, actually, I think you can tap them, but they came with a remote and they're lightweight enough. They're only like two, three inches in diameter. And uh, I stuck Velcro on them. And because there's carpet on the ceiling, I got three of them. Bad. And then you got the remote. So even when you're getting your stuff out of your drawers in the back or like getting your hunting gear in the morning, you can turn them and change the color and like use a green light or a red light. So it's like lower and you can hit the dimmer. So you can still see all your stuff, but it's not as bright, but it works great for when you're in there too. I stick the remote by my head and just stick it up there. And then, uh, you know, I can tap it if I wake up or whatever and I need light and it automatically comes on like the red lights. That was pretty legit. You know, little, that was yeah, little ingenuitive. You know, yeah. I, I, that was the upgrade yeah. that I did. That was like, man, this is this is cool. <laughs> yeah, I I'm not very sophisticated. Like when I'm pretty, I'm pretty. Um, <laughs> people say it's hardcore, but I just I don't know. I just deal with a lot of. Um, when I'm tired, I can sleep anywhere. Yeah, um, and I'll just kind of crash, uncomfortable, so to speak. I don't know. As I get older, it might change. i'll continue to just keep grinding it across the state turkey season's awesome because it's warm out like it's it's the best it's literally you get to camp it's getting warmer each day it's hard to sleep in a sleeping bag when it's warm like i i I, i'll unzip and like hang arm arm out leg out you know and just have them both and it's like that's the only way i can sleep in the springtime like that when it's warm but uh, i I pop my uh i pop my Normally when it's warm, I'll just lay on top, but I'll just put my tailgate up and then keep my, my, my cap open. So you got a nice flow of air and it's just, it's, it's nice. You can hear the cricket at dude. It's one of the best, <laughs> best things in the world. Yeah. So, um, speaking of Turkey season, then what's your plans for that? 
Um, so I'm going to be filming um, Hunter Wallace this spring. We are embarking on a um, spring tour. Um, we're starting actually this weekend, going down to uh, Florida and then bouncing all across the south, maybe make a Texas swing, maybe not, um, and then go to the Carolinas, work our way up north until uh, our Pennsylvania season in a couple weeks. And then maybe do a Midwest thing, um, and then a maybe a northeastern swing. So are all depending. those uh, states going to be like a public land or over the counter stuff? Or um, are they... We'll do some public. Um, it's mainly so this this spring is um, I was basically contracted out to film. Um, he's starting his own. He used to hunt um, for Avian X and. Uh, Last year was Rolling Thunder's Rogue Hunts, um, which is on my outdoor channel TV, I think, and uh, a couple other uh, streaming channels. But he's going out on his own this year, and uh, we've stayed in connection through um, socials, and he just asked. So I, uh, I'm i going to do that for the spring anyway. Are you going to try and sneak it into your own hunts or what? Yeah, so we got a pretty open relationship, so it, it's it's – um, I'm doing everything professionally for him. And then I'll get some time to myself in between the hunts. If we want, um, just kind of playing it by ear. You know, the main part is to get enough content for his show and then anything in between, like, it, you know, it depends on how the hunts go. If we, if we bang, bang, if he bang, bang, bang kills in like two, two days in a state and it's hot, I can grab a tag and he'll jump behind the camera and, you know, we'll bang out another one so it's it's going to be a lot of you know running and gunning um he's got some connections just from him doing it for years and then i got my connections for guys that i've been doing it i've been doing the public ground grind for the past couple of years um down south so it's um just hitting people up hunting seeing what the word is you know i it's it's a lot of let's find what good weather and maybe travel six hours to the better weather to hunt for the next three, four days. Um, sleep in the vehicle. Nice. I grinding. Yeah, no, I, I get it. I like it. Sounds fun. I wish, uh, I structured my life so I could be chasing that right now doing that. that. And you know, that to a lot of people that are going to be listening to this, um, that's something that, People have, I, I tell it how it is, so to speak. I set my life up strategically for this. Um, I took really careful notice of like, I didn't go out. Like I could have, you know, when you're young, your buddies are buying four wheelers and to go riding on weekends and buy a side-by-side -side and a boat or, you know, just toys. Right. Um, I never, I just really never bought into that. Um, you know, I think it's because of my family and my upbringing that it, it just, you don't really need that stuff. It's kind of short term. Uh, and I seen the long-term goal and I, I just, I, I set myself up for that, um, success. You know, my yeah. cousin would love to do it with me, but he just never had that opportunity. Um, going to the military right at, you know, in call at during college and then, he had a little boy and then he has another boy and he bought a house and he's super successful and he loves it. But he just, he's like, man, I, I just, my cards are different than others. Yep. Um, yep. I just kind of 
got lucky with some strategic not you know strategy to it so it takes a little bit of um motivation but you can't you, you got to play your cards right yeah no i think it's i think it's great that you did that and uh, i mean it's definitely attainable for anybody it's just a matter of how much work they want to put into it and uh you know and yeah. actually make it happen another thing i think that stops a lot yeah. of people is is the fear right you know the fear of that unknown or the fear of being broke or, you know, and, and if you ask any successful person or rich person or anybody, if you listen to any of their interviews, the one thing that they tell you is they were never afraid to lose it all. They took, yeah. they, they took that risk and you have to be willing to take that risk in order to make stuff like that happen for sure. That, that there was, yeah, that that's a hundred percent true because I, I've watched not only hunting things, um, I looked at it as a business type thing. Um, I've watched a lot of successful entrepreneurs, the, the the guys that you see are millionaires that are telling you to get into real estate and how they did it and their stories. And a lot of them are the same where they took risks um, and, and they had, they weren't afraid to lose it. Yep. And it's, it's that fear. And I took my outdoor um hunting for a living quote unquote that everybody wants to say um as a business strategy and so the the business um side of things is if you can stay afloat for five years as a business you're going to make it but if you break before that five-year mark then you're never going to be you're never going to make it as a business right so i looked at it like that and three years i didn't make a dollar not one cent did I make a dollar hunting. Um, year, you know, three and a half, I didn't make a dollar, but I got some, you know, stuff and connections. And then that turned into another lead, which then I, I basically banked myself that I could produce um, what, what was needed. And then uh, that turned into a sponsorship and then it turned into another one. And then that all of a sudden it's like, now you're making money. You, you're, it, it's working. And all of a sudden it, it, the connections led to one thing, which your work panned into another. Um, and I just looked at it as that now it's, it's, it's turning itself, but it's a lot of hard work still, but it's oh, finally yeah. <laughs> the fruits of your labor, so to speak. Yeah. Being able to see them, but yeah, you definitely have to keep putting into it for sure. You know, and that's awesome to see it. So you guys are going on the Turkey tour and then what's your plans after that? I mean, is it business wise focusing on yourself? What are you doing? Yeah. So then, uh, summer, man, I just, I'm going to do some tack events. Um, we got, I got some things in the works that I'm, that I, I can't disclose at the moment, uh, for the summer, but then the fall I'm planning, um, some pretty cool hunts. Um, more adventure style DIY stuff that I'm trying, uh, you know, my, my whole thing is budget friendly, uh, pretty extravagant hunts. And I want to kind of showcase, um, you know, an Alaskan, I'm trying to do an Alaskan hunt and I'm trying to show the budget on how you can, it's not really like that, that super expensive, you know, got to save up for years to do. Yeah, you know, that's one of the things I've noticed. So say, like, people always talk about, oh, yeah, you can go on, you know, moose hunt, or people put in for moose tags, and they're like, well, why do that when you can you can go on a moose hunt in Canada or whatever, and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, 
that way you're guaranteed to get a moose and you're guaranteed or at least guaranteed to go out there and have have an opportunity and not wait your whole lifetime to draw but at the same time it's like dude alaska is pretty freaking attainable the tags aren't super expensive if you play your cards right and like you're already buying gas every every week or twice a week three times a week anyway to go to work use that credit card and just pay it off right away rack up all them points buy yourself an airline ticket you know for alaska air and like with 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 that mindset and doing it that way within a year or even maybe say two years you can have everything planned out your money saved and 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 go and do it and heck once you figure out the logistics of it you could probably go four times for the amount of money it would cost you or five times what it would cost you to actually go and and do it you know in canada or whatever that's that's exactly my point and and that's kind of what i'm doing is showcasing the okay i'm going to cut this corner to save a dollar and this is going to be my cost for my airline this is my cost for food this is my cost for transportation this is my cost for the tag and now it's all on my own right i'm here i'm here and now it's like um it's not making me any money at so to speak when i'm standing there in alaska but um, you're not spending anymore. You know, that's <laughs> odd. Um, it's it's the same th- breakdown as like Idaho last year. I did an over the, you know, not over, it's over the counter, but draw in Idaho. I killed a bull on my birthday. Um, I'll have a video on that, but I did it, so to speak, pretty budget friendly. I drove across the country, you know, did all my homework, my research, my all my stuff for $3,500 for uh, almost, a month it was 20 23 days nice so yeah. like when you tell somebody you can go on a hunt for you know three grand um for almost a month you know it would have been cheaper but i got three months worth of food also like that that's the things that co- make the cost a little more you know right. you told somebody three grand you can go elk hunting and you're probably going to kill a bull they're going to be like, when are we going? Right. Dude, people pay outfitters ridiculous amounts of money. Yeah. I mean, 7,500 bucks and not even, you know, not even coming home. I, I know a couple of people that did that and they didn't even come home with anything, you know. That And that's the thing. <laughs> so that's kind of like what I want to showcase is like the the behind the scenes of the DIY style. Um, but the professional uh, delivery. So I want it to be that document documentary style um, hunt, you know, the super cinematic, awesome hunt. But it, the leading up to that is going to be the, you know, the research and connect contacting the state department and learning where I should go and, and the backstory and the backlog. Yeah. Um, so when uh, I mean, is this content going to be on any type of channel or streaming platform or is it it's going to be... be on it's going to be on um the void youtube channel okay um i already launched it but i haven't put up any big videos to kind of really start pumping that out once i once i'm done with my clients that i'm working for now um and have basically because like this is gonna this is my busy time like i had all the show season going to all the shows for my clients working um and then in this spring i'm I'm contracted out so i'm still busy where i do more for my clients um for my business side the, you know the void media um and then once that's done then i can focus on the summer pumping out my stuff to build up to the fall 
and then it's basically back to square one and just getting content and hunting and enjoying it and and kind of continuing to you know get this get the stuff that's needed yeah so where do you where do you see uh the like what's your what's your long-term vision for for the void and your your own content my my long-term goal um i'm hoping by next year this time i got a guy sitting beside me and he's my full-time guy film guy and my basically my secondary shooter for whenever we do a contract film um so that's like the the short-term goal and then after that you know two three years i would like to have a full team where i continue to put it the same type of content that i like to do but i'm a big hunter and fisherman um so i kind the reason i the other reason i did like the void is because i can do like the void hunt and then i can do like the void fish and i can have my own team like fishing stuff and hunting stuff and then have I can branch out from just like one central um, platform. You know, you can kind of do, have a multiple avenue of um, styles depending on what people like to watch. And right, and no, that's great. I mean, that's kind of why I went with the whole. Even though publicly challenged is mostly focused upon hunting, uh, there'll be some. De- there's some periods where it's definitely more focused on foraging and stuff, but. Uh, fishing is definitely there in the foreground too you know and it's just it's encompassing that entire you know outdoor sportsman's lifestyle right and just trying to bring it all together and and that's cool that you know it's that's kind of your goal too you know to to take it and take it to that next level because uh it's it's cool to see when somebody is well-rounded and it's you know taken all the way around and it becomes cyclical and that you kind of chase the seasons and the, and what's available, yeah. you know, that, that's, that makes a good content. I like to say, you know, my, if you look back in the history, um, people used to live off the land not very long ago. Right. At, in terms <laughs> of, in terms of life structure and generational things, we did, were not far past um, living off the land. Um, and it's kind of coming back to full circle. Uh, you're seeing a lot more reality TV shows and backcountry stuff and, you know, like Alaska, the last frontier and all this stuff. And it's like, man, it's <laughs> the outdoorsmen, the hunter and the hardcore hunting and fishing guys out there. They do this stuff for fun. Right. Um, but it's also they have the knowledge to do it a more extreme if they want. And it's, I just want to kind of showcase the lifestyle um, that you, you know, you can, you can have the modern society in moderation with the old style of living um, in today's world. Like it's still obtainable. Yeah. I saw a number, some statistics the other day because you brought it up, but it was like the, the first commercial uh, grocery store that was available to the masses didn't come around until almost the 1950s. Before then, it was just like markets and and little shops, you know, butcher shops and little markets and things like that. Um, but other than that, it wasn't like the big grocery stores until the 50s. And then before then, it was like in the 1930s or something like that. Even it was like 70% of people's food came from their own, you know, resources and stuff that they actually grew or, 
or raised or harvested on their own. And it's just yeah. crazy to see that we've gotten so far away from that. That and it's such a that's our grandfather's ages. Like that's yeah. the, that's yeah. that's what the craziest part is. It's um there's people today that you can talk to that still use that that, that live live like that. Um yeah. and I you know, I get caught up in it myself with technology, being a camera guy and like the gear nerd. Um, but I also like, you know, trying to plant my own garden, um, harvest my own food, obviously, catch, cook style, um, eat off the land, it, it, the healthy lifestyle, the fit, fit things. And it's just a history is going to repeat itself for a lot of people that's one thing covid um scare did do for a lot of people was it showed the world that they lived in on how fragile it, <laughs> how fragile it is exactly yeah. it breaks down they're screwed entirely um yeah there's some staggering statistics about that that i've seen too and it's like uh within within 4 weeks it'll be like 20% of the population would die off in the united states in just 4 weeks of that's completely bad. being shut off. And that, I was like, that, what? I, I think it was 20%. Maybe it was a little less than 20%, but it was somewhere around that number. But that it's in so, just one month. <laughs> so astronaut. And it's because people live the, the day-to-day lifestyle of the hustle, the fast-paced hustle and bustle. You know, the people that live are a lot of our populace lives in that metro era where they don't cook. They don't clean. They live in a cubicle. They go home to sleep. They do everything else somewhere else. That's crazy to me. I couldn't live like that. Uh, I need to no. be free. <laughs> and that and that's it. It's the freedom to do as you please. And we live in a good, a great country to do that. And um, that's just kind of you know what I want to showcase moving forward is just that that lifestyle and it's connectable. To, yeah. to our, our outdoor and you know the outdoor mindset it's super connectable to a lot of outdoorsmen so what do you uh do, do you do any foraging or anything um i don't i have friends that do i mean i, I when i'm out turkey hunting i'll um, around mushroom hunt and you know certain times of the day I, I know i know what to look for but that's about the extent of it yeah um, maybe some leaks here and there but that's nothing more serious than that no, nothing at all. I mean, so here's my thing. Like, uh, turkey hunting is great excuse to, cause a lot of times, so here in Illinois, they close the woods at certain times. So you can, you can turkey hunt up until noon or maybe it's one o'clock. It's like one o'clock or noon, but you cannot roost the birds. So you can only hunt in the mornings up into the, in the afternoon anyway. And then the woods close and and then after three o'clock mushroom hunters can go in and hunt the woods you know on the public land they have to share it um so a lot of people get mad and they're like why would we ever you know not be able to put the birds to roost do all these things whatever is it doesn't seem like it's you know a fair chase all that kind of stuff but um it's pretty cool because if you're a mushroom hunter and you have a turkey tag in your pocket Nothing says that you can't grab a bag full of morels while you're turkey hunting and then get to all the good spots before everybody else does. Yeah. So <laughs> that works out pretty double, well. It's a double-edged sword. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I pick, I, I know my um, species, so to speak, in my area. Um, I blew, there. we got, 
on top of the mountain here where I live in central PA, we got a lot of blueberries in the summer. I mean, I, a bunch of wild blueberries. So I would just go out and pick buckets of wild blueberries, um, stuff like that. But my foraging isn't uh, very extensive. So the wild blueberries then, do you hunt those for bears in the fall? <laughs> you think, yeah, but there's so many of them. They're so abundant that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, huh? Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Because they, they get picked, I mean, by August, um, they're gone. Like the end of August, they're they're done. They're completely gone. Um, so, and our bear season doesn't even come in until the second or third week October. Oh, really? It's that late, huh? Yeah. So it's like, it's like a month and a half, two months from that food source. So it's that point, acorns are dropping. They're in acorns, and they're moving to their den den areas. And by um, by bear season, rifle bear season. Um, it's said that 40 certain, certain years are different depending on our weather, snow, but it's that, uh, week of Thanksgiving. So that's our rifle bear season. And a lot of bears are already into their hibernation areas. Um, so 40% are already denned up. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That'd be a pretty tough hunt then. Yeah. It's, it's, people think it's like really easy to bear hunt, but I've bear hunted a lot and I've physically seen like maybe a handful of bears while I've been bear hunting on one hand. Like you just don't, you don't see them. So Pennsylvania bear hunting, how, how are you allowed to bait or anything like that? Or do you got to just hunt over whatever? No baiting. Um, a lot of our tradition, I should, it's tradition to the public. Um, is to get 25 guys together and go push an entire mountain side out. And um, hopefully a bear runs out in front of one of the watchers. It's just a lot of drives, big, big, long mountain drives. I've never been part of a drive. I don't know. To me, they kind of scare me. The the it's... whole interworking of that many people, you know, together and pushing. And I don't even like, like, uh, we just recently went on a hog hunt down in texas and and my buddies had crossbows because you know they were new first-time hunters and we got them on crossbows and sighted in and they were super ready and excited but the whole time you know you're walking through the woods trying to stock up on these things and i keep looking over my shoulder constantly to make sure that that crossbow somewhere pointed away from me you know because it's so much different than a bow yeah it's it's pretty hectic man i you'll hear we have a lot of amish community um in certain parts of our state, you I've heard, I've seen bear drives where they get 50 got they'll get 25 watchers, 25 pushers, which is technically illegal. Um, but it, 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 there's so many people on the mountain. You, they can say they're another group and they have rosters and all that, but there's so many, they'll push literally every, every animal they'll line up 10, 15, 20 yards apart, yelling the entire way for miles they'll do it all from daylight until dark and they'll put i've seen them push a mountainside for seven continuous miles the entire way and kill everything in sight wow that's nuts i can't even imagine it it's mind-blowing that animals get through like year after year it's like how do these because (laughs) they do it the same thing for deer and it's like how do we have five six seven eight year old deer yeah on public ground like i will get pictures of bucks and not like i have this year specifically i have a picture of one of the biggest deer i got this year and three minutes later there's a guy walking in front of the camera it's like 
did the guy not see it? Did, like you're you're all you're questioning all these things that went on. So did, did you actually take that deer then, or no? I, I okay. I'm pretty. I'm. I think it lived. I'm not sure that I. I he might have gotten shot, but it's it's one of those things that it's like. Okay, what happened? I here's the video of the deer stopping in front of the camera, looking around. He's really nice, you know, real wide, young, younger deer. He's probably a three and a half year old. I had to say, probably that mid thirties, maybe one forty level. Um, for Pennsylvania, that's a really solid deer. And then three minutes later, there's there's a guy walking in orange with his rifle in the wow. snow. So it's like, what happened before that, during that, and after that? Did it get shot off camera? right behind it did uh, you don't know what went on so it's it's a lot of nerve-wracking um things with that those drives i don't <laughs> necessarily agree with it um i just because my style of hunting um and i just think it's kind of something we need to change as modern society and hunting um has drastically increased so back when driving was a big proponent on taking of, of game we had a we had higher deer numbers we also had less high like performance on our high powered weapons hmm. so yeah we had you know seven we had our seven model sevens you know 708s and things like that but we didn't have these thousand yard guns that you can go set up and you know shoot precision we didn't have the precision that we do today, technology, um, as we did 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. That's interesting because my take always on things like that are, you know, tradition, unless, unless it's actually doing real detriment to the actual game numbers or something, tradition, even though I don't agree with it, I always think it should be allowed because it's part of that culture, that heritage that I might not yeah. understand. And I'm always mm -hmm. willing to try and understand somebody else's plight and somebody else's point of view. And if that's yeah. how they grew up and that's their traditions or it's ingrained in them and it's part of their culture, then, you know, why, why wouldn't I allow it? Just like I've got buddies that absolutely hate, hate with a passion crossbows and think that they shouldn't be allowed within the regular archery season and it's a disgrace and they're harming numbers, you know, and taking away tags from other archery hunters, whatever it may be. But at the end of the day, man, we're all hunters and there's not that many of us, you know, that, that I I've taken that same thought, um, through this season. I mean, through the past years, the only take I take. So I, I, I do a small scientific research type thing, um, just locally. So I ran into a group of guys this, this fall up on the public that I hunt. Um, and they're from their local. So I know them. Um, and they had doe tags. They went to public ground to shoot does because they don't shoot does on their private ground. That's crazy to me. See, like that's, that's what I'm, that's, but what, yeah. that's what I'm saying is they go up with a group of them to push, to shoot the, so it's a distinct, I, I noticed it from living here that down here in the valley um, where it's a lot of private and, you know, woodlots, we have an explosion amount of deer. Like you'll go, drive down the road. I'll see 30, 40 does just along the road. You go 
two miles in the other direction onto the mountain that's all public, you won't see anything. Ooh. And it's because they get high, you know, everything's getting shot. But it's the thought process of, I'm going to take my group of 10 guys. I'm not shooting does on my private ground because I want big bucks. They don't understand the 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 process of it. <laughs> so they they literally were like, I don't shoot does on my ground. So we're going to public to drive to shoot does for our, to fill our doe tags. Yeah. So, so that's, that's to me, that's weird that they can do that. I mean, I guess like we're only allowed to do that with archery. We can't. So if you've got a gun tag and it's private land, it's private land. Yeah. See, that, that's something that I've brought also brought to attention with some um, that just I, I don't know that if it's right, if it's wrong, it's just my opinion. Um, but just I've noticed it over the years, you know, uh, we have a lot of big chunks of public like I'm, the one I'm talking about is 45,000 acres. Yeah, that's big. So land. You'll, yeah. you'll, you'll drive across that and see hundreds of trucks. And you take a pole and half of them didn't see a deer, a tail, a sign of deer. Um, some of them did maybe a glimpse, but there's not a plethora of animals. The, ha- the habitat's there to, su- to support them, but the game is not there because it's high graded off because of that his- history of there used to be a lot of deer back in the 70s, 80s, 90s. They would drive and just shoot their does. Yeah. Um, and now through the years, they've been slowly taking off the numbers on the mountain and the public, letting their little private honey hole piece just get ample amount of deer because yeah. they want to, they, when they bow hunt or, you know, earlier in the year, they want to be able to see deer, but to <laughs> fill a doe tag, they go up to public. I, I just, I've noticed that um, with more than one group and I don't know what the answer is. You know, in your state, in your case, it's you have to have a doe tag for public like yeah. out west that like you can't go to that that other piece of public and kill a doe. It's not you have to have a doe tag for that WMU. Right. So, yeah, here. here in Illinois, the way it works is archery tags are for anywhere in the state. So you can hunt on public, you can hunt on private, whatever. Most of the public, you have to get the windshield permit and then you could use your archery tags. But yeah. then when it comes to gun season in order to uh, keep the numbers down, so it's over the counter or just basically applying, you get it. They call it a lottery, but uh, they want to reduce the doe numbers or the deer numbers in general yeah. throughout the state just because insurance purposes, whatever. Um, so they do that, and you can almost guarantee to get a tag for any county. Um and that's the so-called lottery and then all leftover tags, which there's always leftover tags. You can go buy those over the counter for a gun, but that's yeah. only private land. So there's a lottery for public land for gun tags and that public land gun tag. Um, like there's certain units that I, or I've applied for and it would be, I think it was like five years before I actually drew a gun tag for one of them. So, you know, like you're waiting, you can put in other choices, but if your choices don't, don't make it, you're not going to get a tag and you're not going to gun hunt public. And our state is completely different, like opposite. Yeah. Where you can come here as a non-resident, you can buy your gun tag. You you can buy your deer tag that comes with your license. Now you have a bear, you, you got a spring turkey and a deer tag. 
And then if you apply in, in July, you can get a, a, a doe tag for a unit, one of our units, but our units are very, very big, um, which covers like six to eight counties. So that doe tag is good for any ground in that, in the, in that entire unit. Right. Yeah. Um, but look, just this, the guys that are local, I see just guys buying tags to have, you know, I, I personally bought four doe tags this year. You know, I could probably fill all four behind my house. Um, but it's not going to do anything to the, the population in this valley because you drive another 400 yards down the road, there's another 25 in the neighbor's fields. <laughs> right. But you go up on top, the, the public, there's not that many deer. Like it, it, it struggled to see um, a doe in rifle season to harvest and, and do, deer season. do you think that's just because uh i mean is there any environmental factors like there's just more ag and more food uh you know on the private to where there's a lot more deer that come down from the mountain i mean i imagine the mountain's got to be some pretty tough uh terrain to to get all it, your resources and nutrients that those deer need it it is um it is a little tougher um i do see a small mig migration off the mountain down and but that the deer are high graded um, in the areas of the state that just private is just some, it's almost like a sanctuary. Nobody right. really bothers. <laughs> like guy, like that, there's a guy down not far from me that has a shooting stand, a box blind right in the field. You can see 50, 60 deer in that field a night, no matter what. Um, and he hunts like two days a year. He'll kill, he'll go out and kill a buck, like a little nice basket rack or something. And that's it. But the deer have no fear of humans because it, there's no pressure. Right. Sounds like it's, a good, like good a, guy to make friends with then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there, there, there's yeah. too many deer. When you have too many deer. Yeah. It, it's not good for the overall herd health. But when you, when you take the, the unit and try and allocate the, the dough number. So then they'll go out and do a survey of that and to, to, to give the deer numbers to be able to give the tag allotment. All the deer are on private. Right. Yeah. Yet most of the hunters that want to hunt, you know, I, I don't know what the exact number is, but let's say 50% are, are public ground guys. They don't have the chance to harvest the does that there's the tags for so a lot of people are eating the tag and that's where i i see the really big disconnect on on our outdoor for my state anyway you know the first time hunters that go out this and the, the, i brought this this is a topic that i like to talk about is okay you get a buddy of yours that wants to hunt for the first time well most likely they don't know somebody that they can hunt on their ground most likely yeah without getting permission um so a lot of guys with pennsylvania because we have a vast amount of public ground they just buy a tag and go on some piece of public because it's the easiest thing to do and they don't see anything all year 
so they have no opportunity and now they they get kind of disgruntled and they're like well i guess that that kind of sucked i'm not gonna hunt next year it's kind of a waste of time and money see that that and then our our hunter numbers are, are dropping because there's no opportunity to even see game um to get to capture their interest yeah no that's a tough dynamic there for sure um, that's, uh... so <laughs> something that i that i don't know the exact answer but i i think the 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 two topics of a public land use thing um permit would be a good start because it would help just for habitat management practices which would ultimately help out herd numbers and then something maybe along the lines of of um allocations for certain public grounds because i mean there's just not a lot of deer in a lot of parts of the state yeah so that's uh, to me i i mean i don't know i find it crazy because our state up until this year wouldn't even allow you to use a rifle now you can use a rifle but there's all kinds of regulations on it and uh but you you know you got this public land and it's just i mean I could see it being like a Wild West show, you know, and just bullets flying everywhere and on public land. Oh, it, if everybody it is, floods it with an orange it army, I that mean, see, it to is. me that seems like it needs some type of regulation or tags or lottery system or something it, in place. It's been so, and this is what our, our struggle with our state here in Pennsylvania is: we've had such a hard tradition um, with it that they don't want to change. When we have a change. It is like so there's such a flips. There's there's two sides. You're either for it or you're against it. So how's um, the Sunday hunting on that one? If we're that's speaking the, of that's that. The, that's <laughs> the exact issue that we're that we're dealing with. It's like I'm all for it. And then you got old timers that's been hunting the mon, you know, the same way forever. And they're like, it's always been this way. That's how I want it. And it's kind of like the old dog don't want new tricks type thing. So was it a religious thing in the first place? Was it like uh, the day of rest or what was the purpose yeah, behind it? it? It was a, it was a blue law. Okay. Um, you can't buy alcohol. It was the day of, of um, yeah, you know, religion. Um, and you can't hunt on sun. There was a whole number of them and it's just been a re- like here it comes again, tradition for forever. Um, so they're just slowly changing that. And, and when it comes to the, the herd numbers for public use and stuff like you you're saying like for tags and a certain w it comes down to just neat work on the ground the state doesn't want to put the work in to know how much how many you know tags they give out they just kind of they give a ballpark and then go with it Hmm. there's not a there's not a they ask for surveys but it's not like a reprimanded other states where just like you said you have to give you have to basically return the tag and give back feedback yeah. to be able to have that use again i but screwed up <laughs> i screwed up big time but on that, that system <laughs> but that system is for their surveying use to know what was potentially taken what was seen and what and how many yeah. people so what's crazy about that though like I, I get why they want it, but the data that they need as far as what was taken on that ground, they already know that because that's part of your harvest data, and that has to be reported. All harvests have to be reported. You have to tell them where, where it came from. You have to do measurements that you take, all these different things that you're already giving them 
but the one thing that they want is they want Hunter so they can do their statistics on Hunter visits versus harvests on that piece of property. And gotcha. I get it. That's actually great data because I use that data. And oh, I'll, yeah. I'll look at it and go, oh, okay, this piece of property, yeah, it's got 200 visits and 120 deer taken on it. That's not bad. That's not yeah. bad odds at all, right? <laughs> Over 50%. Yeah. Yeah. That and that's something you know that our state just doesn't push. We we don't push that. So we're supposed to, when you harvest a buck um, and a duck or whatever, you're supposed to report your tags. It's not pushed to report, where it's a um, it, it is a necessity in other states where if you do not report your deer, it's a huge fine. Oh yeah, you'll go to jail. <laughs> yeah, our state is like a slap on the wrist. Really, it, it is crit. Dude, there was a guy locally that shot a deer illegally on a pro on a, off the road, poached a big buck out of his truck under a spotlight, and got a thousand dollar fee and paid it, and he got his tax and paid like twelve hundred dollars in and fines, and that can't hunt for a year. That's his that that for going on somebody else's ground yeah. under at shooting a big buck and then that's getting terrible. caught. But that's, that's all we got. Yeah. Now you'd lose everything and probably lifetime privileges in a lot of other states for sure. But that that <laughs> it's it's the, our prosecution isn't as heavy, um, which causes a lot more you know people just to do what they want, and that and that comes down to the same thing with the herd management. You need to put your tat. You know when you don't harvest something, you need to report it just as much as you do harvest. And and then how many did you see? I've gone to other states. It's like, okay, even though you're deer hunting, how many grouse did you see? Yeah, how many that's... other species did you see? Did you see any of these? No, no, no. Yes, 5, 10, 12. All of a sudden, it's just all that's doing is collecting data from the hunter that's out there in the field. Yep, yep. Ours is bobcats, mountain lions, and how many wild boar, you know, all that kind of stuff. Did you see yeah. where things are migrating and traveling to, you know? And and then all of us, yeah, exactly. But it, it's ultimately helping out your herd management of all species, which then they have a better understanding on how many tags to give out. And yeah. it's going to, it keeps the sustainability. And our state is just kind of lacking on that because of the tradition that we've had for hundred and some years. Yeah, that's interesting. And then once again, you know, I'm left with the whole tradition thing and you got to respect it, but I could see if it was actually doing something to the herd numbers, you, you know, it, 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 you need to address some, some stuff. <laughs> in the, the story that you'll get from a lot of old timers here in our state, the, the, the camp goers is back in the seventies and the eighties, we'd see a hundred deer a day running the mountains because the mountains just had deer everywhere. Yep. But you never, he's like, it was hard to see a buck. It was like, everybody shot little scrub bucks and spikes and small deer. Now you're not seeing the deer, but there's bigger deer because there's less numbers of them. And less hunters, right? <laughs> so. And less hunters. But it's the tradition of they used to go out and see a whole bunch of deer. Everything's different now. And they're, now the old time guys are like, well, I'm not seeing the deer. And it's because of the just the, the old style just continuing to butt heads with the new management practices. Yeah. It's just it's not integrating and working perfectly. I just think there's some steps that need to be taken and they're just slowly progressing, but not at the pace 
that it should be. And it just, there's too many guys, you know, in the seventies, eighties and nineties, how many guys did you know that could go out and shoot a thousand yards across a Canyon and shoot a deer on a power line? Probably not that not, many, not that now today you can go to the local gun gunsmith and go out on a range and, and be hitting paper within 10 minutes at, at 750. I mean, you know, you can build a bench gun. That's guys with crossbows too. That's <laughs> crazy. So but you I, know what? I, yeah. That's kind of what my take on it is. You can go out and build the weapon that can do that. Um, and then go out and just wait and, 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 and shoot at things at that distance, whether it's ethically, unethically is another story, but it's, it's a possibility now, hmm. but the, the, the rules are the exact same. Yeah. That's very interesting. You're seeing, you're seeing the West, um, change a lot of their, you know, you're, you're going to start seeing, um, uh, certain weights of weapons and bullets and, and ballistics because they just, I, the ethics of shooting at an elk at 1600 yards. Yeah. That's, uh, that's not even that, chase at that point. There's that, no more that's, chase. That's what, that's exactly, you know, what's, what's becoming of it. Um, the rules were in standards for that were set way back when. So the rules have to continue to progress as technology and change progresses. Yeah, for sure. What do you, what do you think about spearing animals? What's your ethics standpoint on that? Spearing? Yeah. Um, if you're good enough to get within five feet of a, you know, or five yards of an animal, I, I think that you're inclined, you've done enough research and practice to, that you can, <laughs> I'm all for it just because it's like the chances are, are so slim to none. Um, that the guys that are doing that have such a, a understanding of the wildlife and everything they're doing because you have to, to be able to get to within five yards of an animal and practice yep. with a deer. Like it, it's that it's not going to, even if they do injure animals in a sense, they're going to do one, two a year tops where a guy shooting at a thousand yards, not knowing if he hit something is, is, is night and day. So yeah, recently speared, speared a pig and I, the devastation that a spear does oh it's incredible. versus an arrow even if you were to have a bad placement with that spear it's so devastating when it sticks in them and they run away that oh, they're yeah. they're dead they're dead within 30 yards anyway yeah it is insane the level yeah. of lethality that those things have and the the minimal amount of resistance it takes for that thing to go in it's incredible like watching yeah, it, it. It's, <laughs> and it and, and you know and like i said history's repeating itself we're yeah. bringing back that just people did centuries ago yeah um, and, and i <laughs> i didn't take my spear with me the second day and i had my bow and i was just going to play backup for the other guys in my group and you know put an arrow yeah. in something if it didn't go down and uh I ended up stocking up on one to where I was about five feet away without my spear. And I'm like, 
And I look at the other guy and I'm like, I grab my arrows and both of them. And I'm like, I wonder if I could do like a, <laughs> and spear it in. And I'm like, nah, that probably wouldn't work as good as a, you know, an actual spear. So then yeah. I just, I just got on them and flushed them out and pushed them towards the other guys. But, uh, it, that experience is something else and being able to creep up on animals and get that close. Now, You're, granted, you might not be able to do that with a deer. You might have to bait it in, but yeah, nonetheless, man. It's... You're honing your your that style. You're honing in on your um, ingrained, <laughs> in, like it, it's in our DNA as a predatory species, as the apex predator. So you are harnessing those emotions that you have never felt before. Yeah, um, that's been in your your body and in your and in your genes and genetics that we've had as humans for millennia but you're just now feeling them because it's, it's come to your attention to do this and try it. Yeah. I told one of my buddies, I told him, I said, honestly, I don't even know if I want to pick up a bow anymore. (laughs) That's the thing. So so It's because you're challenging yourself and being that apex predator we are. But back when people had to do that, that's all they did have. They didn't have a weapon to reach out, touch them. Yep. They yeah. had to learn to get that close. So they were they were hunters and gatherers and, and, and serious people. Yeah. Um, it's something I haven't done. I've always wanted to. I just never had the opportunity to, uh, you know, go after a bit. pigs. The number one is what I want to do. I've never had the opportunity to pig hunt like that. Like, it's just I don't know anybody. or It's just not the cards yet. It will be. But that will a be. Yeah. Not in a bucket list. It'll happen for you. Um, we we can make that happen. But uh, that's probably a good point to wrap it up there, uh, Jake. It's been good talking to you, man. Uh, yeah, man. Where can people find you and your content that is coming to YouTube and all that stuff uh, so they can get in touch with your all that good stuff? Easiest ways through uh, my social links, you know, Instagram, Facebook, um, The Void, and then just my personal Jake Belinda on Instagram. Um, that's kind of where I put up. I, I do a lot of stories, daily stories when I'm out, out and about. And then I'm going to be coming out with a lot of more informative style, long format things that are going to be on YouTube. So um, just the social platforms, The Void and Jake Belinda, and then um, YouTube, The Void, The Void Hunt. Awesome, man. It's great talking to you and uh, good luck on your uh, hunts this year. Appreciate it. You too, man. Once again, thank you so much for listening to the Publicly Challenged podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please subscribe on whatever platform it is you're listening to. Also, if you could leave a review, that would help us out. And you can check us out on Instagram or at publiclychallenged.com. And once again, thank you so much for listening to the show. Thank you.